You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to episode 19 of Storyteller Conclaves, the show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah. I'm Rob. Welcome back. Thank you. How was vacation? It was really nice. Yeah? Yeah. The, we I, I went with uh, uh, three other guys. We basically stayed at a uh, really nice, I mean, when I say really nice, I mean really, really nice Um cabin house that was a lake house and uh we all had our own rooms which had way too much space in them and there was a turret and a fire pit place and like a, re- a kitchen bigger than the kitchen at my own house by turret you mean tower not like mounted 50 cal correct okay, I, good. you know <laughs> uh but still like we went up there and like enjoyed sitting and staring at the you know at, at the 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 dusk while sipping whiskey i mean it was it was incredible it we had sounds a great ideal it, and it was nothing like last year we did um gen con together mm-hmm. and this year we were like you know let's take it down a notch let's yeah. just kind of relax this out and so we just played games and hung out and had a really nice time it was you did, beautiful. did some role playing we did we did actually one of the things that we had i, I had brought up to the group was hey why don't we all create synopsis for one shots mm-hmm. and then we can choose who wants to do you know what we like out of those and then we'll run those that's a great idea du- and, du- dueling one shots exactly nice. Yeah, the whole thing. Uh, and we picked two, actually, uh-huh. because uh, two of us finished our write-ups for our one-shots. Uh, and, uh, there was a homework assignment there and only was, two of you was, turned it in. But, but I, and what was interesting was uh, I got to run one and then the other one uh, was actually Overwatch who oh, ran okay. that one. And he did Savage World, which I as a system I hadn't played it. I, I have never played Savage World either. Uh, we didn't get to play a lot of it, but I got okay. to see a lot of the combat. Okay. I got to see some of the stuff. It's different. It is totally different. Cool. And uh, uh, the way initiative works, we didn't – again, we didn't get a lot of combat, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it uses a deck of card for the initiative. Oh, I like that. And the way they talk about the players, like the – instead of calling them players, they call them something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like there's the – you know, NPCs have a different kind of name because they're kind of that way. And then there's a whole other class – of characters, it's really interesting. It's sure. a, it's just a different way of looking at it. Um, we can dive into that like system knowledge later. Yeah, yeah, I, well, I'm definitely going to pick take a look that. back. But uh, it was neat, and even Chris getting into it got further like along with these. Like, wow, mm-hmm. there's a lot in here. Uh, so I think it was neat. It was neat. Character creation was super easy. So what'd you run? Um, I ran Robotech actually. I, yeah. I rolled all the way back to my original game system that I started with. So, uh, and uh, so you use the actual Palladium rules. And funny enough, I actually used not only Palladium rules, but I also grabbed a Palladium module. Oh, I played you Ghost are Ship. So brave. I went all the way back, but I gave it a little twist, just a little, and uh, used the story arc circle to help me remember mm-hmm. where everything is sure. and it actually came off flawlessly oh, we, we started at like five o'clock on one of the days and wrapped up at 3 30 in the morning oh wow it was uh one it, of those old school all-nighters yeah right? and yeah. they were loving every moment of it oh, and the characters great. were fantastic we even used palladium rules for the optional rules of like how old are you how tall are you oh wow what's your disposition and their dispositions were hilarious and how they were related to each other mm-hmm. was even funnier so yeah it was good 3d6 plus 10 years or yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> not yeah, even, I mean, not really, even. Actually, with the way with uh, yeah. Robotech is everybody's young in it. Mm-hmm. So nine times out of ten, you're either like seventeen to nineteen mm-hmm. or twenty to thirty. Everyone yeah. else is like this slim chance that you're older, right? And right. that was it. So everybody was super young. So well, good. I'm, yeah. I'm really. It sounds like you guys had a great time. You, yeah, uh, did a lot of did a lot of great role play and stuff like that. And yeah, set and up I, a lake and just. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, we got to go kayaking. I got on a jet ski. It was fantastic. Mark me envious. Yes, yes, and we'll be probably doing it again at some point. So uh, keep keep your ears open. You might you know get a group invite for Uh-oh. one of the day trips. So. Uh-oh. Yep. 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 All right. All right. So you had a good week last week without me. Yeah. I, I yeah, caught. It, it, uh, Matthew uh, Stuart Fulton, uh, yeah, the the Mad Elf from our, yes. from our Discord server, and the, the soft spoken uh, Matt, the soft spoken uh, Matt, uh, yes. into uh, help us work through some stuff. You feel here. better? Do you feel like I, you... I feel? I feel great afterwards. Yeah. I cried. Oh, good, good, uh, good. Did and... you talk about your mother or anything like that? I mean, <laughs> all all sorts of stuff. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, I had well, some good. major breakthroughs, and that's we good. Were good. That's yeah. good. And that was all off air, so you know, yeah. <laughs> No, it was it was a delight having him in the studio. No, it sounded so, like you so guys thank you, you guys again, got through Matthew. a lot, and uh, the the disclaimers were high on the list, so that was good. That right, was good. right, right, right. <laughs> totally necessary. But we have a new week. Yeah, we have a new week. And not a new topic. Not a new topic, though. So, uh, no, and I threw this one at you totally. <laughs> uh, which which I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like you, I left world building in here. I wonder what we're going to do, and I'm like, we're gonna do who. And sort of, oh, and then like what? Like I created the show sheet, and I want to say like forgot about it promptly. Like I, like I told you I was going to create the show you sheet. You told me you were going to create the. show I did sheet. not. And then and then both of us kind of got wrapped up in work, and then I I had a free moment, and I was like, well, let's see what he wrapped up on the on the, on the show sheet just yet, and see where I need to start off. And I was like, what show sheet? Exactly. And oh, then okay, I, I guess he guess I guess he never got. I it, hop on, you know? and you've got like five paragraphs of stuff, and I'm like, well, apparparently that was good enough. Whoops, my hand slipped. Whoopsie. <laughs> So so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit back uh, back more about uh, about world building tonight. Um, so we're gonna kind of do a, a two oh one. Our first world building episode, yes. uh, episode seventeen, was more of an overview of just okay. So here's a general world building sort of sort of tips, right, right. Um, and we kind of gave you the the four point structure mm-hmm. of uh, who, what, where, and when. Of uh, are the are the big questions you want to be addressing? Like you're talking who, which is the societies and the people, the mm-hmm. what, which is the cosmology, supernatural oddities, the where, which is the geography, landmarks, the biomes, the physicalness, if you will, the mundus, mm-hmm. and then the when, which is the history, what shaped the world, how it how it came to be, or maybe even just the recent history that's important. Sure, sure, because you never know where you are. What what sets the stage? And again. W- we're talking about world building. We're not talking about giant world building. We're not mm-hmm. talking about tiny world building. We're it's just always talk- within scope. It's a scope. Yeah. So, you know, it's is it a high school? Is it a college? Is it a is it a city? Is, is it, it a, a small country? cluster of towns in the rural right. countryside? You know, yeah, it's... is it a galaxy? Mm-hmm. You know, is it multiple galaxies? I mean, like Warhammer 40K is epic for a reason. I still have a framed poster that came with um, my old Battle Tuck box set. Oh Lord! That has a map of the inner sphere. Yeah, uh, and I cannot count the number of planets that are, or, or systems, I should say. Yeah, that, and there there may be multiple worlds in each one of those, you know, systems. That, Mostly conquered by the uh, clans who came marching in until intergalactic AT and T decided to kick <laughs> their butts. Until space AT and T. I love that line. Uh, <laughs> That's all. You know, what's funny but is we, we could we could totally <laughs> dissect that in world building and we still may. We still may. And so, we still may. We still yeah, may. that may be like, I don't know, when we get up to the 300 level, we'll start dissecting worlds. And yeah, we'll right, on, that, right on. So, like, uh, 
But so. anyways, our, our, our grand plan here is to kind of go through the who, the what, the where, and the when of, yeah. uh, and, and kind of delve into how to do each one of those in a little more uh, a little more detail. Or at least just to talk about it a little bit more. Sure. So tonight we are starting with who. Yeah. We're talking about people, societies, uh, and, uh, you know, who we're populating our worlds with and what they're like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so where do you want to start on this one? This is a fine question because like when I'm really thinking about like when I think about worlds, mm-hmm. I I kind of stumble at certain points mm-hmm. because my brain always goes to politics to start with. Sure. Like who's in play? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people go to um, power and I use power in the mystical sense. Sure. Um, and I think that really needs to be set aside for this discussion because that's really what. That's, that's, a, that's a what. That's yeah. a what. That's not. So that's when we're what. talking about people, we're talking about politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly, uh, I usually see politics as three things that okay. really drive them. And that's money, power, and fame. Sure. You know, whether or not it's it's one of those that is usually doing it. And then freedom is kind of the last one or lack thereof. Right, right. Um, Because of one of the others. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be a driving force. But again, there's always a figure or some kind of of point of reference whether mm-hmm. that figure is esoterical. It's not actually a thing. It's a concept mm-hmm. Um, like uh, – they kind of express in um, a lot of different stories where, uh, you know, you have like the um, Dread Pilot Pirate Roberts is a concept. It's a character who gets recreated again and again and again. Oh, it's a, a, a mantle sometimes. Correct. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't – you don't always have to have – a kingship is one of those sure. as well. Sure. Um, but it is still driven by something. So a lot of times when I'm thinking about – a political system, I always try and think of what drove the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. Was it a drive for power and control? Was it a drive for money where they were trying to hold it or they were trying to increase it? Um, and again, wealth can be monetized in multiple ways. Like don't think of it as gold or or septums or anything like Resources that. Resources may be a better, yeah. a better word for it. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and then fame. He, he who controls the spice controls the universe. Exactly, exactly. Yes. Because it it is more than the money that it is everything that it comes with the travel. Right. You know, the, it, it, nothing moves without spice. Yep. You know, uh, Comstar is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. It is the communication network. If you want to talk from this system to this system, yep. Comstar is the only way. You can either wait 78 years for your sublight um, uh, radio transmission to go yep. to, to get through to them. Yep. Or Comstar's hyperpulse generator can send it there in uh, four minutes. Exactly. You know, or you, in theory, could ship someone there, but relativity and time really makes that relativity challenging. And time and even shipping someone there physically can take up to a week and a half. Exactly. And even that's just one jump in battle talk. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, system to system, it, you know, it's almost impossible at times oh yeah so that is a level of resource mm-hmm. i think as well and then you have fame you know yep. you have your, your your people who are just like i'm going to control everything you know and, and show ownership my my face will be on every coin sure you know kind of thing your but, megalomaniacs your you know yeah. uh, uh your uh narcissists you know, medici demagogues those kind of characters yeah. now they they kind of had a power run as well sure but a lot of it had to do with just being known mm-hmm. you know um uh there were a lot of uh individuals like uh blackbeard 
mm-hmm. uh, was it was a notorious individual, but little is known other than he was bloodthirsty and crazy, mm-hmm. which is untrue completely. He he ruled he ruled by fame and power in that sense that he was actually pretty decent as far as piracy goes. He never killed anybody he took as prisoner. Period. He would dump them mm-hmm. or tell them to join him, and he ended up with a very large fleet because of it. But he had fame, and that fame drove for more fame, and there's that worked a, out uh, in the end. There's a, there's a character from the uh, the 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 old show Band of Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, I cannot remember the character's name now, but he's he's one of those he's like a lieutenant or yeah. something like that in the uh, or, or you know he's one of the higher ranks, right? Uh, squad leader of some sort. Sure. Um, and uh, at one point later on in the series, uh, there's there's some there's always been rumors going around about him. Like the, the the troops are always looking at him, going like, "Oh God, that guy's a complete badass!" Like, yeah. did you hear he gunned down a bunch of like captive German soldiers? Yeah, I remember you like telling that. me about this guy. And uh, at one point, the uh, the the commander of the squad takes him aside and is like, you know, I've always heard them talking about you behind your back and like you never stand up and defend yourself against anybody or anything like that. You know, why Why haven't you spoken up on your own behalf? And he's like, there are worse things than making – than everybody in the squad thinking that I am the biggest badass to ever strap boots on exactly. on this side of the country. Exactly. It, it holds that position. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I always say if you're working in a world – Start with those base concepts. Think, you know, hey, if I'm going to get into a political world and Mm -hmm. that's going to be my first anchor point, regardless of what it looks like, you know, and I want to start that paintbrush, Mm -hmm. start with, okay, why is it there? What's what's the motivation behind it? What's the fear? Here's a gathering of people. What have they gathered around? Who organized them to be a group of people in the first place? What's that figurehead position? Mm -hmm. So and that kind of leads to the second section, which I had, which was religion. Um, and again, I'm not talking about what they're praying to. Right, right. Gods are a, gods are a what, not a who. Correct. And and I mean, they lend mm-hmm. credence to what the religion is. But when I talk about religion, I literally are talking about the physical process of what traditions they are doing. Um, what. <laughs> What kind of uh, what kind of steps do they take? Like, do the, do they literally have churches and synagogues and mm-hmm. and a leadership structure and a pope at the top of it? And do they ordain the the politicians so that they can stay in power as well? Or and, more of a more of a a, a a holistic sort of religion, right? Uh, like like Shinto, where you'll you'll have small shrines scattered about here and there, but there's no real like. Organized, like you don't go to services. There's right. no, you know, it's not an enforceable. There's, no, there's, there's no one creating a a a, uh, a holy war, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a thing. That isn't a driving force of it. Sure. And I think that a lot of times when I put those together, the fir- one of the first things that I come to is what do they fear, you know, or what right. are they asking right. for permission to do. Or or permission against. Yeah, I, I, uh, when I was thinking about it, there, there's two reasons essentially. The, the two main reasons, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you know, uh, inventive people will be able to find you know other other ones. But I mm-hmm. think most most worship of divine beings mm-hmm. comes down to two things. It's mm-hmm. either um, this god is good, mm-hmm. and we want to uh, venerate them. Yep. Um, and we would like their favor because they will grant their favor upon those who venerate them. Yep. Or we fear this God yep. because this God is bad mm-hmm. and we will prostrate ourselves before it in the hopes that it will not turn its wrathful eye on us. Exactly. And I, I see that more of fear and permission. Yeah. You know, where it's like I fear this God or I gr- ask for its permission to do its bidding 
regardless of what it is. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, you know, and and because of those two things, you can have a lot drive beyond that. Mm-hmm. So once you've defined whether those people fear or they they – or they're asking permission, I think that leads to a lot of what their practices might be and how big they might be and and where where they how they might set things up. Sure. So um, you know, a lot of that structure too is going to come from the uh, come from the structure of your divines that they worship. True. Um so the 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 big question I had um, mm-hmm. with regards to religions, uh, and and again, this this does kind of stray into the what, sure. Um, but I, I wish you to understand that what I'm about to say is from the perceptions of the people, correct? Not the actual states. This may not actually be what's going on in your in your your divine structure or your pantheon. Right, right. Um, is uh, a couple couple questions to ask um, in your in your world building is first off, how many gods and what do they do? Yeah. How many gods do we perceive? Um, what are their various bailiwicks? How do they play against each other? Right. Um, second is do those gods have um, – are they more forces of nature? Mm-hmm. Like my own world, they were literally just forces. You do could, they walk? You could not have a holy war because you can't like – you can't holy war against the god of life because life exists, mm-hmm. you know? It just does. And mm-hmm. death exists. Mm-hmm. Death is not evil. It's a thing. Right. You know, uh, war is a thing. Mm-hmm. Anytime there is conflict, there was the god of war was there to right. essentially that that was his like thing. How, how are you going to war against the god of war? Right. You know, it's, just love everybody? Well, yeah. Well, first, uh, you, you can't because anytime two things come into conflict. Right. You know, uh, and, and that boiled down to even like a wolf eating a rabbit. Mm-hmm. That's a conflict. Mm-hmm. Somebody died. Mm-hmm. That's to, death. To, that's death. That's yeah. destruction, though. Yeah. That's that's conflict. That's war. Right. You know. So there's there's without without disassembling the very nature of life and how the world just functions on a daily basis, you can't take any of the gods in that pantheon out of the uh, out of the uh, the uh, the cycle. Right now, on the other hand, and I'm just going to put this out mm-hmm. there. You can have godless worlds with plenty of religion. Oh, sure. And I think that sure. that is where because I've I've seen game systems and been in game systems where religion is heavy and they never discuss the gods whatsoever. Yep. And Seven you don't. Seven C is one of those. Seven C is yeah. one of those. The you the don't. Theos is talked fa- about heavily. It's it's a major drive in the in mm-hmm. the metal plot. I mean, the church is a like a, a probably the biggest driving force in the entire yep. plot. And and the prophets of are are all history. Mm-hmm. There is no – I mean it's it's assumed by the, the passages that are in the Game Master section that you know what happened. But there is literally nothing to describe Theus, the god. Right. Like right. you don't know. You never get his side of the story. Not at all. And you don't know where he fits in, why he, the prophets only came about after a ton of history had mm-hmm. passed. You know, so it was like, okay, where did this come from? So I think that is a a very fair world building experience. Is that mm-hmm. your your gods can be your worship can happen in a I will say godless world, not a powerless, but a godless world where they they appear to be praying or they appear to be including a god. Right, and that's not to say that those gods don't exist, but no. there's. There's there's kind of two different types of gods. There's those right. who meddle and those who don't. You know. Yeah. And and. You know, regardless of belief, regardless of the existence, you know, that God just may just be hands off. 
right. and letting letting your populace do as they do. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, not to say that they don't exist, but it's effectively godless and that they don't play a part in changing the landscape of your or they're not allowed to or they're not allowed to. Yeah, yeah. like uh, a good one is uh, if you go to um, crap, my brain's slowly dripping out my ear. Uh, Terry Pratchett's mm-hmm. worlds. Uh, Death is a very prominent character. It actually has a daughter who's human, mm-hmm. and she interacts with the world constantly. Uh, but he doesn't. He his interaction with the world is limited to his his views of death and him carrying spirits away and when death occurs. But he is very much active in the world and very much a part of the world, and doesn't become a physical manifestation until he has to be. Mm-hmm. And then he is only allowed certain things because he knows the rules better than anyone else yep. of what he can and cannot do in each one of the rules. And the, and the Hogfather, for instance, he has to actually take the mantle of the Hogfather. Mm-hmm. And as the mantle of the Hogfather, he can do miracles. And like he, he saved a girl's life. Mm-hmm. And like his follower, which is like this this little smoking guy, basically is like, whoa, you know you can't do that. He goes, I can't do that. But, but the, the hog, hog father can. can. It's yeah. a Christmas miracle. You know, <laughs> uh, and like uh, there's a part where um, it, I think during one of them, I don't think it's the hog father, maybe another one, uh, someone throws uh, a bag of kittens out and they die. And he's upset. He is absolutely pissed off. That's but before horrible. he does Why anything about that, story? no, it's great because he opens up the bag and, of course, he's taking their souls. And before he lets the souls away, he plays with the kittens for Aww. souls for a while. He just fluffs them and cuddles them. And, his, and they climb his, all over him exactly, and his robe. Exactly. And then they, they go away. Mm. And it's because he gives a crap about humanity. Yeah. And so you, you get to know him as a character. But. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you're talking about when we get to our next section, mm-hmm. um, the what, is that you have to understand those people. But I think in the who, we need to know the people's view. We right. need to get that how perspective. So I think it's a – I think you have to be careful of how much they really know, mm-hmm. how much the who really know about their gods. Do they exist? Do they believe they exist? Is there belief enough that they exist? Mm-hmm. Because there's a whole race that I didn't even know about in D&D that literally it's this kind of weird frog people. Their belief creates Kua-toa. gods. Yeah. Oh, they are my favorite. Yes. They literally create – their belief creates gods. Mm-hmm. And you could get them to believe that you're a god and turn you into one. <laughs> I mean it's it's really weird, but it's it's a possibility. It's a possibility. And so in that sense, like do, do you have that race in your world? Is that where your gods came from? Was mm-hmm. a bunch of frog people who just got scared about lightning and suddenly Thor shows up. Right. I mean right. legitimately. So yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting. I think it's definitely a, a longer topic. I think religion is one of the harder topics that start to break into that mm-hmm. what land. But I think it's a necessary topic in in who definitely. Oh, absolutely. And so. it's it's it, depending on the part that you want it to play in your world, it can really shape your societies a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Arguably, far more than like politics or anything like that. I mean, because it can generate the politics. Oh, you very know, much so. Um, like well, I mean, when we mentioned Seven C. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's probably the biggest thing that generates the politics in in that setting. I would say it's a fifty. It's a masking tool in a lot of ways too. Sure, okay. Uh, where the the religion gets used as a tool to to exact things to happen. That fair uh, enough. Um, like they did a they do a twist on the Inquisition in it, uh, where it's very dark, but there's some things happening behind the scenes with the Inquisition 
that is being driven by other politics because mm-hmm. they don't want a king – like if you look at the first edition of 7C, that history, uh, they don't want a king of Spain right now. Mm-hmm. They, the existing king of Spain was actually kind of doing things they didn't like, so they kind of got rid of him. But now his brother, who should be king, isn't taking the mantle and – he can't because there's not enough cardinals to put a crown on his head because mm-hmm. he has to be ordained by God. And so there's this gray thing going on and everybody's upset about it, but you're not sure who's controlling that. Which side? Is it the religious side that's not letting it happen or is it a political side that's playing a move to say we don't want him to be king and that'll change the outcome of this war? Mm-hmm. So it's it's very gray. Yeah. Uh, and it's neat that you have those kind of factions mm-hmm. playing against each other, which I know you wrote like literally five paragraphs on, I which I love, honestly, that all this stuff <laughs> you wrote, and it's accurate. And I think stepping into that next section is important because a lot of times we think of politics and we think of religion, mm-hmm. but those are those are placeholders in the world. Those are larger concepts. You have people who who follow those faiths and follow those religions without being – or follow those political means without being part of a faction per se. Right, right. Those are – a lot of those times that they can – that could just kind of be background flavor and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But what, where your your societies are really going to start shining is when you start making factions. Yeah. Um, and factions can be really anything. It can be mm-hmm. the government yeah. is a faction yep. or it could be a subset of the government like the army mm-hmm. of the government. Right. You know? um, and so you, you're going to have factions within factions within factions. Right. Um, and even like within the army, you might have the Navy SEALs or something like that. You know, I, I know I'm, I'm screwing up our own structure here. Yeah. Just, Again, so keep a, going. Apologies to our active military. I, I, I'm, I'm just throwing out names here. Yep. And, you know, but, but you're going to have a smaller group like the SEALs within the Navy, within the U.S. government. You right. Know, right. And then exactly. in the middle of that, you've got SEAL Team 6. Sure. Well, they're not SEAL Team 5. They're not SEAL Team 7. You right. Know? Right. <laughs> and they're going to have their own stuff going on. So, right. um, so a couple things we need for factions. Uh, the very, very, very first thing we need for a faction. What is the function of that faction? What mm-hmm. does it do? Why mm-hmm. does it exist in the first place? Mm-hmm. What are their goals? Goals are always important goals, when you look at a faction. Super important. Simple goals. Okay. So uh, yeah, just just overall. Um, so is their goal external? Uh, are they trying to like build something or spread an idea? Are they trying to act outwardly upon the world essentially mm-hmm. um, or just generally help the public or are they oppositional? Um, are they trying to stop a specific group from completing their goal? Um, are they trying to prevent a certain event? Like is this a ancient cult that's trying to keep an eldritch god from rising Perfect and actively example. working against them? Uh, Der Kreuzruder in, in 7C is a group of um, – you could call them knights, mm-hmm. but they are not just knights, but they are a faction that goes into the place in between and which is this kind of gray realm and stop the horrors from coming through – that have come through the, the, the wall, if you will, uh, that encroach on the, the, the prime plane. And these are uh, anything from like these bug-like creatures to other monstrosities that make their way to Thea, the world. And and walk around and it's they're literally there to be the guardians of that space. I'm I'm pretty sure my seven C character qualifies as one of those things. Possibly. 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 But we'll have that discussion elsewhere. Yes. Um but anyways, yes. Yeah, so, so so are they are they just do they just generally have a goal to, you know, help people or hurt people or mm-hmm. acquire wealth or something like that? Or is it like more specific in that they're trying to counteract something or uh, specifically another group? Yeah. 
Um, there are some groups that are made specifically to just be the antithesis of another group. The Musketeers. They're the guard of the king. Mm-hmm. But they are not the king's guard. Right. Right. So, so their their oppositional group is any enemies of the king. Right. And the people. And to protect the people. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's always interesting. We protect the king and the people. Yep. And it's like, okay, do we protect the people from the king when necessary? Oh, Okay, that's mm-hmm. an intriguing way of putting it. And and that's the truth is that you have to kind of watch that line. Sure. And and that's important with your goal to make sure that the goal is simple enough mm-hmm. that it it defines the conflict that they deal with. So you, one one thing you always have to make sure is does that goal make sense? Right. Okay. Now it may have a lot of nuance to it. Always. But protecting people, mm-hmm. protecting the king, sometimes from each other mm-hmm. makes sense it does absolutely you got to have order you got to have structure in the world and they're there to make sure that it, it that that happens right okay um so the, i guess the, the the big thing i wanted to, to put this point in here for is uh you've got a lot of these like uh, uh you know you want to put cults in that want to bring about the end of the world sure okay cool we've discussed this before though why yeah why do you want to end the world it sounds scary but ultimately it's self-defeating because uh you keep all your stuff there? You live That's there? That's where I keep all my stuff. Are you just trying to commit mass suicide? I mean, because if you destroy the world, guess what? You're in the world. Well, unless your whole goal is to ascend to godhood and that by doing so, you right. get to sit beyond, sit with the pantheon. So that's why I say it's an ultimately self-defeating goal outside of external context. Correct. Um, so, yeah, there there may be good reasons to destroy the world. But if your goal is just destroy the world – Maybe rethink that one. Maybe come up with a greater context that would justify destroying the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. No, we can do that. Mm-hmm. But let's just make sure that we're thinking it through and that it makes sense at mm-hmm. the end of the day. Yep. Why are we destroying the world? Let's have a good a good answer for that. Right. Um, and uh, not just destroying the world, but there's a lot of other you know goals and stuff like that. Like, oh, they just fight people. Why? Why are they fighting people? Yeah. Because uh, they're bad guys. Okay, I get that. But what are they trying to accomplish with it? Let's yeah. make it make sense. Yeah. How do they go about pursuing the goal? Mm, that's always a hard one. It, it seems it seems easy, but it's actually exceptionally hard to figure out. Because you start getting into a lot of the methodology. And uh, my my typical process for really just about any of these questions is just start asking why. Mm-hmm. Just be, be your own annoying little kid mm-hmm. that wants to know everything. Mm-hmm. All right. So they want to they wanna end the world. Why? Why? Uh, because they serve a dark god out of fear, as we mentioned before, that if they help to help this dark god destroy the world, they will ascend to godhood beside him and not suffer the ill fate of being in his path. All right. Okay. That's a that's a why. Sure. sure. That's a why. Okay. So how are they going to go about bring bring about the end of the world? Um, they're going to unlock four seals. Why? Why? Uh, because these four seals are the things that are binding their dark god. Why? Because another faction put those seals in place. Why? To lock away this god because there were five gods in the beginning and he's one of the five pieces at the end of the world. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. Et cetera, et cetera, Like et cetera. literally your like, world is getting really complex. I know, I know. <laughs> but – that's how these things get written. No, I okay. agree with it. Um, and you can stop at any time, really. Sure. But you just keep asking why. Yeah. And anytime you can't come up with an answer for mm-hmm. it, that's a hole. Yeah. Okay? Because if you don't ask why, 
The players will ask why. Oh, I assure you they will. <laughs> and <laughs> they the other thing you need will. to be prepared for is if the why is dumb, if the why is simple and dumb, mm-hmm. there is probably a good chance that your players will do something equally as dumb to make them realize that it's dumb. Yep. Like if, if it just don't. takes one leader to be like, uh-oh, I dropped the one thing we need, the crystal shard, into lava, well, I guess I guess that's it. I guess that's it. That's the whole, end of it. Whole world's screwed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did Azildor actually put the throw the thing in the lava? Well, that pretty much just ends the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I want to keep this power. Do you realize that what that's going to do to you? You know it's the ultimate level of corruption. You saw what happened to the other kings. You know, you know, you're right. You're right. Right over the shoulder. Let's go get a beer. <laughs> yep. Story over. Story over. Saved us a lot of time. That's right. And about, Where are those eagles? <laughs> and, about, and about nine hours of uh, – nine to 12 hours of, of film. That's correct. That's correct. Um, so anyways, how do they go about pursuing their goal? Um, is things like are they public? Mm. Are they secretive? What's their ethics? Uh, do they have a public face yeah. but only reveal their methods or intentions to their members? Ooh. You know, are they? Do they like, use other hands? Right. Are, are they? Are they? Are we? You know, we're we're a public service organization. We're all here for good. No. Okay. So you're a member now? No. Seriously, we are like the night blades who, you know, skulk around in the shadows. And oh wow. Or do they not that? even realize how evil they are? Right. Do they have I, factions I love, within the factions? Do I they love have a when players are inside the greatest do-gooders world, and then they realize it's actually the bad guys. Mm. You know, no matter how you look like it, but the dental is so good. They give me time with my family. Do you know what my maternity leave is like here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so what are their methods? Mm-hmm. That's another one. Um, are they peaceful? Mm-hmm. Are they warlike? Yep. Are they political? It's a good question. Are they, you know, are they just trying to maneuver, maneuver the, the, the bigger pieces around them to, to achieve their goals? Um, are they willing to use unscrupulous methods? Yep. You know, they, they may be good guys, but are they willing to maybe beat somebody up for, you know, if, if he's a bad guy? Right. Are they willing to maybe assassinate a bad guy? Right. You know, or is it how, how bendable are these rules? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other the other big question is too is are there other factions or groups that align with their goal with their goals that mm-hmm. they're willing to work with yep. because that almost becomes part of the faction then if you know that anytime you run into faction A you're going to run into faction B yeah or at least faction B is going to supporting them in some way that's another aspect of that faction yeah I mean if you let's let's break down a very simple analogy mm-hmm. Sherwood Forest is a world okay. It it has a it has it has people in it. Yep. It has a kingdom. Yep. It has two primary factions. Yep. Um, you know, and they both have drive. Mm-hmm. We know their ethics, mm-hmm. but that changes no matter how you're telling that story. And we've seen it multiple ways. We've oh, seen yeah. we've seen the Errol Flynn. We've seen the Men in Tights. We've seen Robin Hood. You know, Prince of Thieves. Prince, Prince of uh, Thieves. You know, yeah. we, we've seen the most recent. I don't know if anybody's seen the most recent one. That's like a John Woo movie. Uh, but like seriously, each one of those shows it in a little different light. It's the same world. Mm-hmm. It's the same factions. It's the same story. It's the same head characters. Yet every time the story is told, there's a little bit change to the ethics. Yeah. There's a little bit of change to the methodologies. Mm-hmm. Um, Musketeers is the same way. Yeah. Like that. It's a story that's been told a million times. But again, the world doesn't have to be large. You just have to know the goals of your factions. Mm -hmm. And that's why like in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, like, yeah, they're all following this false king on the one side, Mm -hmm. you know, the sheriff. And and that just seems really weird because what is the motivation of the hundreds of guards? 
why are they doing what they're doing? I mean, I I know Robin's men. Like mm-hmm. they're literally fighting for their lives, their homes. They're trying not to be robbed on a daily basis. Sure. And then you've got this bandit king that isn't the king. The king, actual king is away mm-hmm. and probably will come back at some point. Why are all these people just super loyal to this jerk? No, I mean, if we do, if we, it may not have been expressed in the movie, but if you want me to do a little shooting from the hip. Sure. Um, OK, so the other he keeps them in power. Okay. Uh, they have they experience more freedom and mm-hmm. more power, sure. and more leeway to d- pursue their own goals, shall we say? Sure. Be bigger jerks, bully yep. the, uh, the, the the people, and own more land, um, own more land, things like that under him, under the sheriff of Nottingham. Um, they kind of showed it in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, with the church. Kind of gets to live fat and sassy under his yeah, rule. Yeah, yeah. And so I I think that's one of the things. I mean, when you're when you're asking those questions, sometimes you're not exposing. Everything that you know as a storyteller, mm-hmm. you know, when the bad guys show up and they come to, you know, they're coming in droves literally mm-hmm. to to kill your characters because they're working for the, you know, the resistance group, you know, you're near and, and people are like, why are these guys just throwing their lives away? And plus, they've got tons of money on them and all kinds of equipment. And oh, got it. Yep. OK, so it's power begets power begets power. And some people just want to be in that. Mm hmm. So that gives you a kind of ethical view of what those people might be like, even on the inside. Yep. You know? So, again, worlds don't have the same scale. Think about it. Think about how they work. Um, All right. So I'm glad you brought up the Sheriff of Nottingham. Yes. He's a perfect example for your next thing. Uh, So who founded the group? In this case, the Sheriff of Nottingham. Okay. Now, this is is important. Right. Okay. Not – even if this – even if that particular character is long dead and gone. Yes. Okay. You want to know who founded the group. Okay, um, doesn't terribly matter much matter who this is, but what you what that informs is why the group was founded in the first place. Mm-hmm. Okay, what was the person who founded it like, and therefore it will ideal uh, it will um, uh, inform like what ideas or visions the founder initially had. Right. Okay, what was the driving goal, and then you start getting into a little bit of group history. Hmm. Okay, and this this uh, so within groups, um, even small groups, large groups doesn't matter. Within groups, right? You tend to have two uh, two movements that happen within the group. Okay, okay. Um, one is a movement of conservatism or orthodoxy. Right. Okay. Which is going to try to adhere as closely as possible to the original founding leaders. The edicts. The the original founding ideals Mm -hmm. of that group. Right. Okay. And then you're going to have a second movement of liberalism or reformism, Mm -hmm. um, which will say that times change. Mm-hmm. Reasons change. Maybe the initial reasons, yeah, interpretations change. Maybe the original reasons three hundred years ago when this group was founded don't exist anymore or don't exist in the same form, mm-hmm. and we need to change with the times to adapt to those. Right. Or maybe there are new outside influences that are acting upon us, and we don't have the found. You know, the founder did not foresee that happening, so we need to adapt to react to it. Right. They they didn't scope it out that far. Um, there was a uh, um, an ideal that kind of kicked through, and this kind of makes sense, is that there was King the uh, was it the guildsmen, mm-hmm. and the guildsmen were basically the uh, the warriors who 
came back from the war, the guardsmen, who were done being guards, like they got to a retirement age, mm-hmm. and they created the guildsmen. And the guildsmen were basically people who would teach other fighters oh, yeah. and, and yeah. get them up. The problem was is that the, the statuette was they had to be part of the, – the guildsmen were – all guildsmen masters were always guys who went – who had gone to the war, the first war. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when that generation dies off? What happens when that when there isn't a war for a generation? Right. So they had to figure out how to change that to will anyone who would retire from the military, mm-hmm. which again some people hadn't gone to war but had been had retired from being warlike, yeah, and that created a very interesting divide of what they believed the organization should be like. Sure. So I think one of the other things you have to look at while you're talking about this and, and talking about these factions is. How long has it been? Mm-hmm. What influences and pressures have gone back and forth in that organization? Because things can stray an awful lot oh, in, over, yeah. over time. And now this doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have faction infighting or anything mm-hmm. like that or that these need to be clearly defined sub-factions of the conservatives or the liberals within the faction or anything like that. Right. Um, but it, what it does for you is it defines a scope. Mm-hmm. Of the of the polar extremes of interpretation of that group's values. Yes, and then when you start creating characters and plots having to do with that faction, you can then put them within that spectrum, depending on where you need them to be. So a good example I'll throw out this one that not a lot of people are aware of because it's seventh C number one and number two. It's GM stuff is uh, Novus Order Mundi, which is the New World Order was created okay. just after the. Uh, powers came to be, and actually, there's a the, from the senators of the original bloodlines. So where Sorte and where Strega and where uh, Pyrami, all the fire magic, where all that came from, was these people making a deal effectively with demons. Okay, and that those original bloodlines created Norvus Order Mundi as as the seats, and mm-hmm. then generations replaced them as they went up. It has been. A while since then. Mm-hmm. Like think Roman to Renaissance time. Oh, wow, yeah. So a lot of generations, some of the people who sit on those seats don't have the original ideals of the original people, but they they sit on literally the most powerful secret council on the planet. Mm-hmm. So how do they change power? How do they change the ideals of the entire group even though they sit on the most powerful council? They can't sit across from somebody who's literally world-hungry and say, we should really be examining things differently because of X mm-hmm. is now an influence and we need to start doing that or we need to expand to a new world or we need to do this. you know. And you know, some of the people on the council don't have those same beliefs. Yep. So it's, it's, it's that continuation of – what happens? What breaks down? What rebuilds? What power struggles? Not directly murdering each other even, but mm-hmm. the individual struggles that can occur. Sure. So. So I'm glad you brought up the uh, the, the the whole guards, guilds thing. Yep. yep. OK. I'm getting Feeds good right, at this. I don't know. You're feeding right into this fire. Uh, so the next one, how does this faction recruit? What are they? I mean, a faction's a group of people, but you need new people eventually, right? Yeah. 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 Like Men in Black is another good example. Like if no one knows you exist, how do you recruit? Exactly. OK. So uh, how uh, how selective are they about their membership? Mm-hmm. Um, are they open to new members and volunteers? Like do they just literally hold a job fair and just be like, hey, do you want to join the Fighters Guild? With honors. <laughs> um, or do you scout potentials and approach them proactively? Yeah. Um, what, uh, what criteria – might this group look for in a potential member? Um, so what does the ideal member look like? Mm-hmm. 
you know, best of the best with honors, sir. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, you know, that might always not always be, be evident. I think Men in Black is a pr- great example. Especially of a secret it's organization. A and I think example. in storytelling, it's an incredible example because it was a faction started mm-hmm. in a government funded way. But then took on its own life because it, it's not just one government. Yeah. And and I would say the the recruiting scene is great for this mm-hmm. because what you th- you're you're initially presented with this, you know, here's a bunch of military experts mm-hmm. and an NYPD cop. Right. And uh, we we're going to put you in a firing range with loaded firearms and we want to see what you you know, what you can do. Mm-hmm. And so it's presented to you as this very like, oh, we're we're looking for someone with military might and prowess. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, Edwards, I believe is the, yeah. the, the, the character's name, um, yeah. goes in there and, you know, shows his stuff and his judgment. And that's actually what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. He's got it was stuck a, in a room full of people uh, firing indiscriminately at what they saw as monsters. And, and Edwards was the only person who thought about what was going on. Yep. And they were like, no, that's the quality. OK, yep. so think about that with your factions. Mm-hmm. You know what? What are they looking for? And does do do the do the members of those factions are are there good members, bad members? You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Um, what are their initiation rights? Oh Lord. Um, does a new recruit just need to prove themselves in some way? Is there a formal ceremony? Is there an induction thing, or is it just hey, congrats, you're hired, show up on Monday? The uh, faceless ones is a, is an interesting example of that as well. You have to lose yourself in the initiation. Oh yeah. And I think that was a really neat story mm-hmm. to to have that person completely lose themselves and at the end she wasn't even broken by that she knew exactly who she was yeah. and yet she did she could do anything they could do mm-hmm. probably better mm-hmm. but it was that she moved she transcended it yep she did something that they weren't prepared for uh, but it, like it, like in my game, uh, you've got the Black Lion Gang. Oh yeah. Um, and their initiation rights have uh, largely to do with beating the pulp out of their new members, mm-hmm. and then telling them that's the last person that will ever lay a finger on them because they're now the hunters, not the hunted. There was a initiation at Kanar that was like that. Yep. Yeah, a terrible life role playing game where basically when you became a knight, mm-hmm. every one of the knights would hit you. Yep. And they would say that was the last time. I will ever lay a hand on you, mm-hmm. kind of a thing, and it was it was an interesting initiation. Yep, you know that 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 may have that may have been sitting in the back of my head. Interesting. Is that that's we'll, we'll play. We'll play. But uh, but real world gangs do this. As no, well. it's it's, uh, it's very common. Um, so yeah. uh, little little things like that, though. Um, mm-hmm. so uh, things to think about your fear factions. Uh, yeah. and lastly, um, are the members bound to membership in some way for life? Uh, are you? Do you have a contract? Mm-hmm. Is there a sacred oath you take? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you magically bound? Yep. Um, are there, are you like implanted with a microchip if you're playing oh, yeah. like a futuristic game or something sure. like that? Does that microchip have a small mini explosive? Is it located in the back of your brain? Yep. Um, you know, things like that. Unlimited power, by the way, it's also an explosive, but we're going to move on from that. Yes. Or conversely, are you free to leave at any time? Yeah. Can you quit your job? You know? Yeah. Uh, uh, is there a penalty for leaving the faction? I.e. you, sure you can walk away, but you're blacklisted. You'll never yep. work in this town again. Yep. Um, or, you know, you might be hunted. Yeah, yeah, you can walk away, but the only way to leave this faction is in a body bag, and we'll make sure that happens. Yeah. Or, I mean, sim- and again, you can have simpler ones than that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm reading a comic right now um, that's loosely based – I wouldn't say loosely. It's strongly based upon uh, the Greek gods. Mm-hmm. And one of the Greek goddesses, or lesser goddesses, we'll say demigoddesses, uh, is part of a all-female order of virgins. Mm-hmm. And you have to be a virgin to be in it. And – 
the, the one of the gods basically looked at her and said, because he can tell, it's just like, wait, you're not a virgin anymore. Do they know this? Do you, are, are you fully aware of this kind of a thing? Or mm-hmm. you want to tell me how it happened, honey? You know, kind of a Aww. thing. And uh, it wasn't good. Let's just leave it at that because no, no, it's no. gods and gods are terrible people. Um, but uh, no, really seriously. Gods are the worst. Uh, gods are the worst. So uh, – but again, that was just a – it was a, a, a way to distinguish and, mm-hmm. and her not wanting to tell anyone and she has to get out of it now. Yep. Out of that order. Yep. Um, and what's funny is they, they, they paid for her schooling. Mm-hmm. So – she she has to figure out how she's going to pay him back. Oh right, 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 right. <laughs> for, yeah. for what she did. So I mean, so. no, those, those are all great things to think yeah. about in a faction, though. Yeah. Um, all right. So that moves us on to our last one, uh, yes. and it's just more or less. Uh, this, this is this is your window dressing. Yeah. Uh, I, I one here. Uh, what sort of structure and iconography does oh, the yeah. uh, does the faction have? So um, do they have uniforms? Mm-hmm. Uh, do they have a symbol? Uh, do they wear that symbol? Is what is it their like, symbolism? Right. Um, do they have a fancy name? Oh yeah. Um, are they just are they just the army or are they uh, the the silver spears of Lothric? Ooh, nice. You know, nice. something like that. I like that. Um, maybe they're uh, they're granted an official mark, uh, like a coat of arms by the nobility, you right? Know, they, which which uh, uh, validates them. The strings of Aerosmith. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the string, the, the, the the platinum strings of Aerosmith. There you go. <laughs> um, are they a branch of the government or are they secretive? And do they eschew symbols and names and Ooh, icons? Yeah. You know, um, we like, are nothing. Yeah, the voiceless ones. Oh man, yeah. You know, they all wear masks and disguises. Some of them may not even know who the rest of that faction is. That's right. Um, I mean, like the Death changing. Eaters in uh, yeah. uh, in Harry Potter. Death Eaters are a great example. They, they all have wear masks. Masks. So they have a thing on their arm that's permanent, but it. Can, Call others, um, you know the mask lords of Waterdeep. Oh yeah! In, oh in, god, in, yeah! In totally forgot yeah. about them. Yeah, sir. Um, Never forget the mask lords of Waterdeep. And and what are the meanings of those icons and symbols yeah. and names and stuff like that? So it's just a, just a little thought. I mean, you may come up with a cool name like the the Silver Spears of Lothric that I just mm-hmm. kind of put out the you know the top of my head. Right. But why are they called the Silver Spears? Just just think about that for a second. You don't need to come up with an elaborate history mm-hmm. that's fifteen pages long, but just like a. Um, they all wield silver silver spears because symbol uh, silver is a symbol of purity, and they're supposed to be like paladins. Yeah. Period. Yep. Um, you know, or is it all a lie? Yeah. Or is it all a lie? Exactly. Yep. yep. Uh, is it is it completely a front? Yeah. Why um, do you guys call yourself the silver spears? You're a bunch of murderers. Because it sounds really good. Because it sounds freaking impressive. Yeah. Everybody's just like, oh, everybody wants to invite the silver spears, but nobody would want to invite Dale and his murdering bang of gang, you know, band of gang. Yeah. Yes. Band, gang, band of bandits. 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 Yeah. Like that's just a bad idea. Like uh, you don't go with that. Exactly. Uh, okay. So, um, what organization? Do they have? Yeah. Uh, do they follow a single leader? Are they led by a council? Are there ranks within the faction? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do they, is it like a single leader with, with a couple lieutenants who right. each have a squad of people, something like right. that? Is it a college um, where you have like a headmaster and then you have other people underneath that? Sure, maybe and departments. They all, and the only way you get higher rank is when one of them die, but they're mm-hmm. all like – they all live forever. Terry Pratchett did this where basically all of the wizards, the only way you got your hat – was when another one passed and that hat passed on to the next power. Yep. So you, so it's a way that you can move up the ranks by people dying or mm-hmm. being killed off. And uh, to touch back on our religion thing earlier, yep. is, is the leader of your faction technically a higher power? That's true. You know, true. churches essentially are factions that, that serve a single leader the Pope. and that single leader is potentially a god. Mm-hmm. Um, in in more you know, I would say uh, mundane organizations, you'll oh, yeah. have something like a pope who speaks for that god instead. Right. Well, um, but you know, 
it's it's quite possible that the leader of your faction is a divine being. Without a doubt. Of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, how does one progress through the ranks like you brought up earlier? Um, mm-hmm. You know, do you have to wait for someone of higher rank to die? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or do you have to wait for battle? You know, yeah. Are you, are you elevated through distinguished service? Yep. Um, are you elevated by achieving a specific goal? Maybe it's an assassin's guild and mm-hmm. when you've, you've got your 10th confirmed kill, mm-hmm. you become a master assassin. There you go. And not just an apprentice. Or even or just a member, a full member of the guild. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, is it, are you chosen by a higher power for ascension? You know, mm-hmm. in that church-like structure, does that God reach down and say, you are one of my faithful? Chosen. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're now my, you're now my chosen one. Um, or, you know, field promotion, previous leader was killed. Yep. Um, or maybe even killed by you. Exactly. You keep what you kill. Yep. Oh, uh, them necromongers. Exactly. Can get kind of scary at the exactly. end there if you sweep in and make that kill before somebody else. Yep. That happens. So a lot of a lot of things to think of. Uh, and that's just kind of off the top of my head. Yeah. No, um, I like it. I think this was good. Yeah, absolutely. We have a buttload of questions in like five minutes, like... but I think some of these will need to be moved off. Oh, God. I didn't even see the time. We do have like five minutes for these. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, some, I, of these, some, of these probably, up, some of these will probably get moved off. I'm going to straight off say to some people, okay. we're gonna, um, Ilya May, we're moving your question I, because I love your question. I but, love your question. But your question needs to be shifted off because we're going to eventually get to history stuff. So I'm not even going to read yep. the question. We'll be moving your history question History is its own episode. Your answer will be an entire episode about three episodes from now. Yeah. Techno Lich, I'm actually going to kind of move yours off as well to our next episode. Is it about the clerics and days? It is. It is. And I liked, I liked the question. Again, I think it fits better in that one. It's an amazing question, but yeah, I think it's, I think that's going to be something we discuss in a, in a, in, in maybe our next episode. I, I think, think it will I be our next, next episode. I think it's yeah. moves through. Yeah. 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 Yep. So I'm going to actually jump over to Overwatch. Okay. Uh, world building regrets. Have you ever added something to your setting that you wish you hadn't? Did you retcon it, roll with it, or DM around it? Mm. I can't think of a specific, but I'm sure it's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say probably my my most potent reaction to it is to DM around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to minimize its its impact on the plot. Mm-hmm. Make the uh, hope the players forget it. And start trying as a DM to justify it. Start asking a lot of those why questions Mm -hmm. and make it fit by coming up with better plot reasons to pad around it Mm -hmm. so that it suddenly starts making sense. In my D&D game for you guys, the Mm -hmm. long, 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 super long one, uh, I'd actually included a god in it Mm -hmm. uh, that was a driving reason for something to happen. And then uh, literally as I was going through, I realized – it didn't work in the plot as well as I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. So I literally took something that one of the players said that made more sense and switched it. And it worked flawlessly. Yeah. Because I hadn't thought about it far enough to realize that this faction would have way more power than the god that, that was working with them. So I literally just basically said, oh, so effectively this god who's trying to get these – manipulate these people to do this, there's someone else who's basically saying, oh, I see what you're trying to do there. By the way, I'm going to become a god. Uh, thank you for all the help. Nice. And, and sidestep the whole process. Nice. So nice. Uh, yeah, I've done that. I did retcon it a little bit, but more so I rolled with what made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing how the players can make sense out of something that you didn't quite think in the right direction. Yep, 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 yep. So, yeah, totally agree with that yeah, one. Yeah, your, your players always believe that what you wrote was intended, mm-hmm. and that's how, just how your world works. So if you do put something in crazy like that, um, they'll, they'll justify it. They'll oftentimes very much justify yeah. it. 
I'm thinking we jump to the next one down from Technolich. I'm following your lead on this okay. one. Uh, do you find it better to model new races off existing ones or start from scratch? That's a great question. That's a big question. I am going to say yes and no. Um, I think it really depends on what my motivation was in the world. Sometimes you need to create a race. Sometimes you need to look at uh, less about its details and more about what it means to the world or what it means for itself. For instance, um, if you've got a race of cats, right, where did they come from? Like why are they humanoid? Like, where did that come out of? Was it mm-hmm. a genetic mistake? Was it an evolution? Are they still cats at heart? Meaning, are they lions? Are they cougars? Are they are they lazy? Or like, are they the natural evolution and we're the weird pink hairless ones? Exactly. So uh, I would say always be aware of um, of why you're putting them in the world. If you just think it's a cool race from another, from another thing, extract it. Mm-hmm. Just pull it right out and then – Literally work on why they're there after the fact because mm-hmm. uh, it's a lot easier to do that. And I think that's a great way of doing things, especially if you're playing with existing templates like D&D or 7th C or something like that. But if you're you're literally only taking the rule set and then you're going to manipulate from that point forward mm-hmm. uh, like you've done with the Elder Scroll stuff, I would say evaluate why they're in the world and then see if you can find a race from the set – from the game creation – uh, that you're basing it on and see if it'll help you shift them into position. Sure, sure. Uh, my answer differs slightly. Okay. Um, in that uh, – How dare you. Okay. So basing them on an existing race is easier mm-hmm. but is arguably worse. I agree. Um, so it is easier – bringing up my, my Elder Scrolls game again. Mm-hmm. Um, when there, – there are a lot of players in my game that were not terribly familiar with the with the world. Right. Um, and so – when I was telling them who the Red Guard were and who the Nords were and stuff like that, I, I initially wanted to get very big into like the history of Skyrim and Yokuda and who the Yokudans were. And mm-hmm. and then you kind of cut me off and was just like the Red Guard are stylized Arabian. Mm-hmm. The Nords are stylized Vikings. Mm-hmm. Period. And those are completely accurate representations of those races. Yep. Um, stylized Arabian. Boom. That's Red Guard for you. Yep. Uh, they do have a lot of other history and stuff of like that, but yep. that's that's lore. And once you're in the game, it, you get past the visual aspect of it. Right. And move on. So it's easier to base it off an existing race because mm-hmm. there uh, we, we spoke before about um, suspension of disbelief. Correct. And how hard you have to try to imagine the strange thing being described to you. Mm-hmm. So if I give you an anchor point like they're stylized Arabians. You can think of what you know your stylized Arabian culture is. You can right. reach back to the mummy. You can reach back to the Arabian Nights, Aladdin, all those things, mm-hmm. and say, okay, I kind of got an idea for what a Red Guard is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is worse because our own history and racism and politics feed then into this fantasy idea. Yep. Um, and you may have the best intentions in the world, but when you're like I. I'm Polish. I grew up in a very white suburbanite uh, 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 family. I did not have a lot of interaction with uh, Middle Eastern people uh, growing up. I still do not have a good idea about what that culture is actually like. Right. Okay. So if I were to try to stylize something off of there, I would be coming off of a lot of assumptions and a lot of stereotypes and that can lead to a lot of very bad writing. Right. So uh, be careful. Yes. 
but depends on how far you're willing to make your players reach for their uh for their for their ideas of what that race is sounds good I think we're done. I think we're done. Uh, yeah. Everything else, I, with apologies, I know there were a lot of questions. We're going to have to put them off till next week. We'll um, hit them. We're or, or future episodes. Like you'll, so, you'll e- definitely Elamay, get Elamay, you, you get an entire episode to answer your questions. Yes. So, so uh, next week we're going to be doing world building, what? What is this going to be? 202? Oh, there's also the Mad Elf. Yeah, we've got to put him off. Yeah, well. we'll do that as well. So okay. uh, 202 is going to be the... We're going to get into what? Cosmologies, supernaturals, and oddities. What yep. kind of gods and powers are out there? So, uh, if you will, Kate, bring us in. You can find us on at ST underscore conflave at Twitter. Uh, and watch for those pinned posts to find our Discord or on Instagram at ST underscore conclave when we decide to post things. Mm-hmm. Our Discord also is listed there in our Twitter uh, with the episode description. And you can help and help our people and join us in all the conversation. I want to thank out a uh, big shout out to our Patreon members, specifically Knox in the Box. Thank you so much for contributing to the uh, the ongoing uh, continuation of the show. We very much appreciate that, and uh, we hope we're, we're giving you the content that you're looking for. Thank you. Our uh, intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Glee Frog. Our outro music, which you're hearing now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find all these tracks and more on freemusicarchive.org. We record here at Podcast Detroit, which you can find at podcastdetroit.com or on Twitter at Podcast Detroit. Our lovely engineer is Kate, and she takes care, wonderful care of us, and you should always come down here if you want to do a once-a-month thing. Uh, you can join them in, and there's also a free podcast that you can do. We'd also like to thank our families. Vicki, Sean, thanks for letting us be here, and all of our friends who came with us. And you, our listeners, thank you, we love you, and good night. Good night.